With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're invited to join us to listen to select researchers and scientists share yeah, their various discoveries, rediscoveries of science and technology. The time is now to come forward in our brains and process the discoveries that can now be applied to the master the days, months, and years ahead. So sit back and let your mind soar while your brain processes the best that is very relevant to our lives today. Enjoy the best of TJ.
And as you were talking, saying about time is so precious, um, we're so busy for um, work, long hours, and um, uh, rushing to work and rushing back and forth in traffic. Um, you know, we really don't always take the time to take care of ourselves to see what the body really needs. We're just running, 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 whether it's by car or by feet. We're always trying to beat the clock. True, and right, yeah. and a, a clock that doesn't eat or breathe, you know, you really can't compete with it. So I just want to, you know, let everyone know that we understand, and we just want to impress that self-care is so important because this is the body that we have to allow us to navigate this 21st century. So um, stay tuned with us. We're going to um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna we have lots of pearls to share with you on how to enhance and keep the respiratory system um, in tip-top shape. So stay tuned. Humanity is experiencing a vast variety of disorders. HIV, Zika virus, Ebola, hypertension, meningitis, STD, Alzheimer's, and many others. These disorders are the results of not knowing how to live within and navigate the human body. Most of us have learned how to drive a car, but have yet to learn how to care for and navigate our bodies. Enroll into the Jewel University of Immortal Sciences for Immortal Living to learn how to navigate and maintain a disease-free body. Visit us at www.juis.education or visit us on Facebook. Welcome back to Hygiene for Humanity. Um, I'm Carol, and Sharon is here with you today. We're going to talk about the nose. Uh, the nose is that section right in the in the middle of your face. That's the shooting section. Um, if you look in a mirror and you you're touching your face, so let's start with let's start with getting familiar with our nose again. So, Maybe we're used to washing the face and not paying attention to different parts of our body. So when you look in the mirror and you touch your forehead, that is called a frontal bone. Right across your forehead there, above your eyebrows. Now you come down to, you take your finger and you come down to between two eyebrows. That is your nasal root. Nasal root, you said? Na- nasal root. Mm-hmm. And that's where your frontal, that's where the frontal bone of the forehead and your nasal mm-hmm. bone meet. Okay. So we're just trying to get the audience familiar with um, the structure of the nose, the outer nose. And mm-hmm. you continue down that section. You see a deeper indentation. And if you notice, that is your nose bridge. This is where people who wear glasses, the nose rests right on. It rests right on there and holds the glasses on your face along with your ears there. Without this nose bridge, say you didn't have the nose there, you probably have to tie the glasses onto your face. <laughs> yeah, so we continue. Now, all this section from the, from the nasal root down, you can carry your finger down, keep following the nose until you feel it. You feel a softness right where that hardness of a bone stops and the softness begins, it's cartilage. All that 
soft section is cartilage. And you take your finger, you can just move it back and forth. It's all flexible because cartilage is flexible, unlike bone. Mm -hmm. So the, the top portion of the nose is bone. And then as you go down to the flexible part, that's all cartilage. Now, inside, inside of this... Um, and if you think, you think about that, too, you know, the cartilage... You know, everything in the human body is, is done for a reason. And when you think about that nose sticking off the face, it would make sense that it's not all bone because if it was, that bone would get broken, you know, pretty easily considering, you know, how many times have you gotten hit in your nose and it really hurts, but, you know, because it's flexible, it doesn't break. So fabulous design. Right. There will be quite a bit of nose job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as we continue down the nose, then you have, um, you see two openings, two openings, those are your nostrils there. And the opening refers to a vestibule, which is, which again means opening into the nostrils there. It's called nares or nostrils. This is where air goes in and comes out. So you have, you have the nostrils separate one nostril from the, the other, the left from the right, is called the nasal septum. And that's all made of cartilage. It's like a partition, a wall inside going straight up the nose that separates one nostril from the other. Mm. Now, now going, continue down the nose, right in the center. Now, you can push on the center that separates both nostrils, that little pointy section, which is called the apex of the nose. It's also cartilage, but it's a dense, fibrous, connective tissue. It's dense, so it has a slightly different texture than the nasal, the nares on the side. Mm -hmm. More cushiony, it seems. Yes, it is more cushiony. Mm -hmm. Now, as we're, we're talking about the nose today, um, the external nose, part of hygiene. We want to we want to get familiar with the nose, and we want to know how to care for it. Now, there is a section called the nasal fossa or nasal cavity. Those are interchangeable words meaning the same thing. And that nasal cavity, it's a large, it's, it's actually a continuation of the nostrils up into the back of the nose. And it's basically a large filled space uh, back into the nose, and it's it helps in our respiratory. Um, it helps our respiratory system in taking in air and filtering air, as well as um, we have our nose in the in the big in the front of the nose. As you enter the nostrils, if you notice, each nostril has a circular opening, depending on the shape of the nose, a slight circular opening, and a finger can fit in there. Just like a finger can fit in there, objects can fly in there. If you're out in, in, in your environment, say in the summertime, insects can be flying by and um, dust flying by and can get into the nose. But you have here into the nose. You have here right into the anterior of the nose that helps to trap any objects, foreign objects from getting into the nose. And mm -hmm. then you go, so the hair is not just there, you know, People may feel like some people complain, oh, you got those here, got to cut it out. But 
but it's there for a reason. It's there to prevent us from getting in and to keep um, um, dust particles from basically housed in that area. So and that's like the first line of defense for our respiratory right. system as far as keeping out large particles and insects. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So now we go further up into the nose, and that's the nasal cavity, which the nasal cavity is also, you know, it's divided into the right and left cavities mm -hmm. um, by your nasal septum. Again, that's made of cartilage. And it serves, it serves as a respiratory area, and it serves also as an olfactory area. Respiratory, we know that's a part of our breathing system, and olfactory, that's the system that gives us the sense of smell. Um, mm. No, yeah. So no, right inside that nasal cavity, we have three bones. Three bones called um, turbinate bones. And these bones, you have the, in the inferior turbinate, middle turbinate, and superior turbinate, which are also called a concha. And mm -hmm. the reason being how it got its name, the concha, if you think of a conch shell, how spiral it is, a snail shell, it's spiral, the conch, and because mm -hmm. of that shape, the concha has that spiral shape, and that's how it got its name. Now, and we, re we recently talked about that shape, too, when we referred to the air, because the cochlea has, there's that shape again, you know, that, that spiral type squirrel shape. We yes, have that it does. Our air. Mm -hmm. And so these shapes—they're—they're shaped that way um, actually to um, help us. It functions. It has—it has a function in also filtering um, what gets into the nasal tract. Now these bones are covered with a line of blood vessels. They these bones they ex and they contract, and this it acts as a radiator where warm cold air that comes in that you breathe in, so it warms the air before it gets to your lungs, because the lungs can't, do, can't really, um, it's not friendly, the cold air is not friendly to the lungs, because if you notice, if, if you don't, sometimes you don't prepare yourself and you get right out into the real um, low frigid temperature, that taking in of the cold air can cause you to cough, that's a reason. Mm -hmm. It causes mm -hmm. you to cough because it's preventing that cold air from just hitting the lungs. Mm -hmm. you, you know, your body temperature is different than the right. temperature outside. Right, right, right. So those lungs so, have been used to like 98.6 degrees all the time. So if you take a, especially a big, big breath in from your mouth and it goes in your lungs, it doesn't go through the nose and pass through the channels to get warmed and pick up the, the humidity. From the conchai, you know, and that's who you mentioned the shape of them. I just wanted to add that, you know, the shape of them actually add more surface area. So there's more area for the air to wind around. So it's more time for it to come in contact with heat and pick up humidity so it's warm as before it hits the lungs. Yeah, and the other we, thing, yeah. right. And I know you mentioned that, you know, the concha are actually made of spongy bones, so they're, they're light, and they have um, a blood supply to them, lots of blood vessels, but they're also covered with a mucus membrane. And that mucus really has a very important function. The mucus helps to trap 
any particles that may have gotten through the nose hairs, smaller particles, so the mucus on the conchi trap any excess or any smaller particles and prevent them from going deeper into the respiratory tract. When, the, when these allergens or these things touch the conchi, they're, they're going, the mucus production may increase just to let you know, okay, I got some dirt in here filling up, I need to blow, you know, so your nose fills up with mucus. That is so right, Sharon, because um, inside the, along the walls of the, uh, of the nasal cavity, you have cilia. That's those, um, the cilia are really very small here, like churches mm-hmm. and mucus. And like you said, the mucus traps pathogens, dirt, and it helps these hairs, it, they work in unison like, you know, like a beat, like a dance. And it mm-hmm. does move these things along the walls, down the cavity, back into, you know, through your nasal passage, right into your pharynx, right into the esophagus, and then you swallow it, and it's digested in the stomach. Right. So a lot Either of you swallow it or you spit it out, you know? Oh, you spit yeah. it out. Yeah. Because if, if you don't have mucus buildup, a lot of times you notice um, you, you swallow. That's part of your body clearing that mucus out. You may not have a cold, and you may not um, be stuffy, but you can feel like a slight drip down the throat, and then mm-hmm. you end up swallowing. And it, it's basically the nasal, nasal cavity doing its work. Exactly. certainly is. So when you smell something that is um, harsh or basically assaultive to your respiratory tract, you may notice that you're producing some mucus and you want to cough and sneeze it out. Your body's working. That's what it should do. So don't look at that as an annoyance. Thank your body. It's like, yes, you're working. Let me go clear you out to assist you. Because this is how we keep ourselves healthy. Yes, so, it is. Yeah, so as much as we can do to assist the body, you know, that is only going to improve our state of being. Now, there is something about the country that I wanted to mention. You mentioned that there are three parts. You have the inferior, medial, and superior. And the inferior is, is in the lowest position, and that's actually, you know, connected to the upper jaw, and it stretches out horizontally across each nasal passage. So there's no air coming up into the nasal cavity that doesn't wind around through this contract. And there's a smaller contract called the medial, and then the smallest is the superior, which is further up in the head. And I found it interesting that the, the smallest or the superior conchi are actually extensions of what is known as the ethmoid bone. Yeah, and the ethmoid bone, yeah, it separates the nasal cavity from the brain. So not only do the conchi warm the air before it goes to the lungs, but also warms it before it gets to that spot. We don't want cold air going into our brain either. So that's only separated by a, a space there. So it's, it's like the bodyguard, bodyguard for the nose. For the respiratory system. Right, that's right. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh-huh. So, you and know, did you want to say more on that? The only other thing I wanted to mention about the concha that I found um, interesting is that, you know, they do contract and dilate, and they determine how much air goes to each hemisphere of the brain, and that they're made out of actually erectile tissue. And that is the same erectile tissue that is found in our reproductive organs. So that allows them to swell or contract. So I just thought that was an interesting point 
about our contract. Yes, everything is working in unison and everything in the body has some kind of connection, you know, for a reason. Yeah. So now we continue with the nasal cavity. Um, we, we, we know that it warms the air before it gets to the lungs. It filters from dust particles and other um, pathogens, bacteria from getting to the lungs, as well as when air comes in, if there's a rush of air coming in, it won't get surged down there. It, it, the air can be turbulent. The bones, like you said, the structure of it, it, it flows through there. It flows through these bones and calms the air before it gets to the respiratory tract. And mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't mention, you know, we have a nasal cycle. We have a nasal cycle, and going back to... Um, how we take in air, each nostril is not always working at the same time. Would you believe that the nostrils, they work in shift? I know. That sounds that sounds like um, a, a great uh, partnership there, that we have one that's always dominant and the other one that's passive. Yes. Working together. It, mm-hmm. it says that the, um, each cycle may last anywhere from one to four hours. So when one when one is taken in the ear, the other one is at rest, buried in the ear, and sleeping up there. So basically, they work in shift. At some point, um, when that shift is over, then the other the nasal cycle reverses. Right, right. And the nasal contrail actually what are what are causing this cycle to take place? Because now they have the capability of swelling and dilating or shrinking and contracting to the lung and the brain. So, you know, I want our listeners, you know, pay attention to your, your breathing cycle and, and take note of which nair is dominant. Like, so you'll find that one nair you're able to bring a lot of air in and the other one does not have as much air coming in. But this cycle will change. Just pay attention to it. So one is dominant and one is passive. Yeah, and it's not to say that you're really stuffed up. It's not like you're you're filled with mucus and you can't breathe. Not at that point. It's say when you're not going through any um, excess mucus or cold symptoms, you notice that one section of the one area of the nose, um, one side is clearer than the other. Mm-hmm. That is a cycle taking shift. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's part of the nasal cycle. Right. All right, we're going to we're going to break for some um, information from our sponsors, Carol, and we're going to continue with talking about the nasal cycle when we get back. You are listening to the Jewel Network Science Radio Broadcasting Frequency. The Jewel Network provides the neural nutrition and stimulates expansion and evolution of the human brain, nervous system, and body. Remember, our source is a neuron. Volume of air while the other one sort of takes a rest 
and they basically interchange these cycles. They work in shifts. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the one of the things that, one of the reasons I read that this was necessary, um, Carol, and tell me what you think is that um, for acuteness of sense of smell, you know, if all of the air rushed into both nares at the same time, they would go quickly past the smell receptors. Uh, our, our sense of smell, smell may not be as acute, but since some air continues to seep in more slowly through the passive nostril, it allows a longer period of time for the olfactory nerves to be in contact with that air, and it's said to give our sense of smell a more um, acuteness. Yes, that is so. That is so. Because, um, you know, the olfactory system basically um, a part of the limbic system, which is in the brain. And once the smell, the sense to get into the nose, just like the hair in the nose, it has uh, cilia. It has hair, hair cells, which are very microscopic. And they have receptors on them. Hair cells other attached to them are axons, nerve cells. And so the time that it takes for the ear to get in, time gives these um, axons time to send information to the brain to detect what the smell is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it and needs some trans- transmission time. Mm-hmm. It's like an, it's, it's an electrical activity. It's like running through a wire to the brain to give the information and then send it back. So we can detect what the smell is. We know the difference between fish and strawberries. Mm-hmm. So now, um, you ever wonder, you know, when you have um, a smell come to you, happen to have a scent that reminds you of something in the past, just brings a memory back? And yes. Yeah. You know, um, and that's because our sensory system also works with memory. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so you can be do trigger memory. Yeah, it's, so it brings a memory of a certain um, event or maybe a behavior because of the smell that was, you must have had the smell mm-hmm. at, the, at that time. And um, it's like when we were talking about the air, all these different um, parts working together to make something happen. The same thing is the same thing with the nose. With a nasal cavity. Right. It's interesting to know that um, studies say one in 1,000 people don't have a sense of smell. Hmm. And, um, you know, that is interesting, Carol. At least in the U.S., you know, and uh, it's called um, a nose. So you don't have a sense of smell. It's called what? Anosmia. A N O S M I A. Anosmia, okay. Anosmia, which um, well, it can be caused by different reasons. It could be because uh, you could have um, head injury, injury in the frontal lobe. Uh, it can also be whether you have surgery or you know a tumor, and yeah. as well as as well as um, it could be other things related to what type of chemicals you're ingesting, you know. That may have may have damaged those ears on the brain. And another thing I'm thinking of too is that could it be that people aren't doing proper nose hygiene and those conchi are just laden with mucus and edema, not letting the olfactory 
um, system really do what it um, is supposed to do. So that kind of brings me up to the next topic that I wanted to talk about, which is how to clean the nasal cavity. And I know most of us in um, living here in the West, basically we, we blow our nose. You know, you may wash your nose out in the shower with water. That's good. But there's also a deeper cleaning that needs to take place. It's called a nasal irrigation. And nasal irrigation is a method that has been around for many, many, many decades. Um, and it involves flushing out the nasal passages with um, a, a saline solution, or you could even use plain water, but a saline solution is that may have become dried and crusted. If you suffer from sinusitis or your sinus is just swelled or the contract swell, well, washing out your nasal passages with the salt water solution will not only flush out excess mucus, it will alleviate edema, but it, also, it will also help your sense of smell and also help the cilia, the small hairs in the conchi, to actually work more efficiently because you think about it. Those are tiny little microscopic hairs. And if you have a lot of mucus in there and they're all stuck, laden down, and they can't do their job, they're just sleeping in there because the mucus is so heavy, by cleaning them out, you allow that um, you allow them to be able to do their job and continue to filter your nose. Now, um, the nasal irrigation can, um, it has been done for years with what is known as a neti pot. Neti, N-E-T-I, is a Sanskrit word that means nasal cleaning or nasal washing. And this has been, like I said, for many, many uh, decades, probably hundreds of years throughout India and Southeast Asia. And it's actually a, a practice that's as common as brushing your teeth. So to irrigate the nasal cavity, like I said, you may use a neti pot, which is usually a ceramic little pot that you insert into the nare, or you may use a uh, bulb syringe or an irrigation bottle. And there are some, there are very cute little irrigation bottles that are made. You have companies out there that make them especially for your nose. They're made actually in uh, sizes for children. And it's recommended to start teaching your children um, from the time they can master brushing their teeth, you start introducing them to the little um, irrigation bottle, especially if they suffer any type of infection. You want to do this, day, this hygiene daily. And you introduce it, you know, you don't want to traumatize them. Just like with the toothbrush, you kind of put it in their mouth and let them get used to it. You slowly introduce the irrigation bottle and let them get comfortable with it and let them do it. And you explain to them how to do it. You show it, you show them how, and you do it with them. And simply put, you, you know, and you can get this on YouTube. You can find information on the Internet on how to do it. And you basically want to... Pay attention to which one of your nares are dominant, which one is more open. So the one that is not as open, the one that's passive, we want to in, put the open or the, the dominant nare down, head down over the sink, and put, instill the saline solution into the passive nare. When you instill that water into your nare, it's actually going to run through your sinuses and out the other side, and it's going to bring out mucus with it. Now, the mucus may not come out right away. The saline may just come out. But rest assured, over the next couple of hours, it's going to draw mucus out, and you're going to start expectorating it. So if you're doing this for the first time, you may not want to do it at night. 
because you may have to get up several times to keep clearing the mucus and it may interfere with your sleep. So you might want to try this during the day when you're up and you can start clearing off the mucus. I know someone who did this who had a sinusitis and that they woke up in the night and really couldn't breathe because there was so much mucus in their throat. And I think some must have, um, the person ended up getting pneumonia and right now has an aversion to using the neti pot again, although I'm trying to explain to them that consistent cleaning of the nares and the sinuses will prevent this buildup. And this is something that should happen all the time. You know, so if you use this routine, Every time you brush your teeth or three times a day, depending on your status, you keep your um, nares clean, you keep your conchi clean, you improve your sense of smell. If you have something like sarcoidosis and you have lesions in your nose, this will also be helpful for you because it, the saline solution will help decrease the swelling and increase your breathing ability as well as your sense of um, smell. Uh, uh, you know what, yeah. um, what I realize is a lot of times, uh, you know, people do come down with these um, infections or inflammation, but while they're taking doing treatment to um, alleviate the, this whole um, stuffiness or, you know, uncomfortable mucus there, they're not realizing what they're putting into their body because if you have a buildup of mucus and you're taking an excessive amount of dairy, milk, ice cream, cheese, homemade like ice cream and yogurt, the coolness going down your throat will feel good, but it's all causing your body to build up more mucus. While you're then maybe rinsing out their nose, they're taking in foods that are building more mucus. So the cycle is still there and they're not realizing what's going on. As well as right. I see people with these... Um, with the infections and the, they can barely breathe, they talk, and they're still smoking. Understand? Right. So there's right. many causes as well. But one person that had that, um, you know, unfortunate incident, it, it could have been something that had been brewing for a while, you know. And, of course. You know, of course it was, yes. And the know, fact that they did it at night, uh-huh. they did it at night, and it was very effective. The neti pot drained. As it was supposed to, but, um, you know, he probably should have gotten up and done it again during the night or at least gotten up, blow out the nose, expectorate what's in your throat, you know? And, and that's another thing. I, I come across um, patients as well as well in, in the public a lot of times. You can hear that junky cough and they don't spit it out. Now, your right. body takes care of what is in there, but what you're supposed to spit out, it causes you to cough or sneeze to get rid of it, but instead they swallow it. So it's like if you constantly do that, then it's like there's too much. You know, the cough is for a reason for them to expel this blood. So, you know, yeah, that could be why it stays in the body and builds up, or you stay in bed and not coughing all the time, then you can get... Um, mm-hmm you know, pneumonia. So I can understand that happening. You know, so, and um, the other thing I want to point out about um, the nasal irrigation is you do not want to use table salt, otherwise known as earth salt. You want to make sure that you are using a high-quality sea salt. Now, the earth salts are the common salts that you buy 
and the store Diamond Crystal and the ShopRite brand or Stop and Shop, you really want to use a sea salt. Earth salts are very harsh on the cardiovascular system. And even in Western medicine, you know, I've heard for years, ever since I was a child, you know, people with high blood pressure, they don't need to have salt. It only makes it worse. Well, yes, if you are taking earth salt. But sea salt, a high-quality sea salt, is very rich in minerals. High-quality sea salts have anywhere from 60 to 84 minerals and are only 75% sodium chloride, whereas your common table salt, probably 100% sodium chloride. And I'm not sure that people are understanding that you need salt in your body, but you need a high-quality sea salt. So some of the high-quality sea salts that I came across that you may use for your nasal irrigation, we have um, the French gray sea salt, otherwise known as French Celtic sea salt, and this is uh, put out by a company called Eden. Now, this sea salt comes from France where they have 9,000 acres of salt ponds as a natural preserve. So that's the French sea salt or the Celtic sea salt. Celtic sea salt is um, a sort of wet salt, clumpyish and wet, and, and it's not white. It has kind of a, a beige color to it, and that's okay because it is unprocessed. It is not bleached. Another salt that is a high-quality sea salt that you can use is Redmond Real Salt. And that one is actually mined right here in the USA. It comes from mineral-rich deposits formed by ancient seas in Utah. And it contains 62 trace minerals. It has no additives or chemicals or heat processing of any kind. And it, too, is sort of a beige color, maybe have a little pink hint to it. Um, and it, it's from right here in the U.S., so pretty local. There's also the Himalayan salt, um, Himalayan crystal salt um, that is mined from 5,000 feet below the Himalayan mountain range. And it has been subjected to enormous amounts of pressure, over millions of years, and this salt is over 99% pure. The higher amount of pressure that salt is exposed to forces it to produce a superior or excellent state of order within the crystalline structure of the salt. And Himalayan sea salt is said to contain 84 minerals and trace elements. Mm Now, I did see something about the Himalayan sea salt um, that said there are um, miners out there who are producing it at cheaper prices, but they aren't going as deep down into the mountain to retrieve it, and it may have impurities in it. And the other thing that they said about the Himalayan sea salt is that if it's crushed, they use a nickel bit, and that the nickel may be putting particles into the salt, you know, you, you use your judgment what you would like to use. I, I love how that Himalayan uh, crystal salt looks, and you can, it comes with a little grater, the chunks, and you can actually grate it into a fine powder. But I also found that there is something called a Kalahari Desert Salt, and this 
salt is mined from the pristine, uninhabited location below the Kalahari Desert in South Africa. Three underground streams converge on a layer of pure salt. It is an ancient inland underground salt pan that provides a tasty mineral-rich raw salt. This is supplied by Sunfood sun Superfoods. We dried by the desert sun. It is naturally white. It has never been bleached. And it does not clump like Celtic salt. It's not a wet salt. It's a dry, a dry salt. So um, those are four high-quality salts that um, I found that you can feel free to use those in your neti pot or even in your food, you know. They're also great in your food. So you can get all your minerals that you need. Looks like we're coming up um, on a station break, so we're going to stop and see what our sponsors have to say, and we'll be back to talk some more about the nasal cavity and cleansing of the nasal cavity. So stay tuned. From Jewel Publications, Straight from the Heart by Dr. Jewel Pukram. An incredible volume of work, Dr. Jewel explores the genesis of disease, prostate health, and sexuality, as well as sharing a new look at the effects emotions play in the resolution of cancer. Straight from the Heart is an outpouring of wisdom that you will read over again. Get your paperback or ebook copy today. We love what you hear on TJN. Visit thejewelnetwork.net to sign up for our new membership. For full access to our show archives in their entirety and more, visit www.thejewelnetwork.net for sign satisfying. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Hygiene for Humanity. And we're discussing the nose and how to care for the nose, how to cleanse the nose. Uh, Sharon, you had some other information on this? Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about the nasal irrigation, so um, if, if our listeners didn't get it, I just wanted to say, you know, who should perform nasal irrigation? And I say everyone, Carol. You know, if you work in um, if you work in a, a, a a place that has is heavy laden with particulate matter, and particulate matter, I'm going to define that as um, particles, whether they're solid or liquid, that get suspended into the air and you breathe them in. For example, you know, if you're cleaning with bleach, and after you finish cleaning with the bleach and you've gone away and, you know, hours later, you still smell bleach. Well, why do you smell bleach? Because there are particles that are in your nasal conch that you're still smelling, so you are a perfect candidate for nasal irrigation. If you ride the New York subway system, I say, you are a perfect candidate for nasal irrigation. If you pump gas all day long or work in an environment where you're breathing in toxic fumes, you need to do nasal irrigation. If you work in an environment where you're dressing wounds all day, if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you're working in an environment where they're using toxic chemicals, you are probably a candidate who should be using nasal irrigation. So I think all of us could benefit from this. Of course, that's so true. Um, you, like you said, you know, using bleach 
chemicals like bleach. I see um, many housekeeping staff um, come down with respiratory ailments, and usually it's not due to a cold. You know, it's a constant use of different chemicals in the profession. And in my practice, I notice a lot of them start out without any lung issues and end up with asthma and the current um, the current respiratory episode is because of the chemicals that we're using. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know and not everyone is aware of this um, irrigation of the nose. You know? No, I think it's something that um, we really need to, you know, put at the forefront. And like I said, we have to start with the children, teaching them how to care for their nose. So many of our children have asthma, and I see them, you know, the parents, are walking with the breathing machines and they're breathing in this atrovent and all of these medications to open up their airways and they those things have side effects. Not to mention you don't even know how much the child is getting in. It cannot be gauged. And you, I remember, you know, providing breathing treatments for the patient in the hospital, even if it was being done by the respiratory therapist. If you're in the room, you're breathing in that medication. You taste it yes. in your mouth, you yes, know, yes. and... Yeah, you're, you're, so you need to go home and, and irrigate your um, nasal passages so that, you know, you're not affected by those drugs. You know, I, I never like being in the presence of it, so. Well, you know, as you mentioned teaching the children, if you notice a lot of times little children, young children, uh, pick their nose. And, you know, it's, it's some, ch- some people may have a habit, but when you see a young child, say, three or four picking in their nose, it, it could be an um, irritation or it's in there, and they don't know right. how to express this. So naturally, mm-hmm. the finger fits up there, so they're going to put their finger there. So if you teach them at an early age what they can do, use a Kleenex so, you know, to wipe it out, and then, or you can teach them at that time to irrigate it, then they realize, oh, well, the reason I'm feeling this, it needs to be clean. And they won't feel right. like you know, being reprimanded for picking their nose because they're do- most likely doing it because something is irritating them. Right. Um, and and although the finger fits fit in the nose, it's not proper hygiene to, to sit and pick your nose in public. If you need to clean your nose, you use a tissue or a hanky to clean your nose. And when you go home, you irrigate your nose so that you're not picking your nose all day because you know you're, you're cleaning it regularly. And I think that would prevent that. This is something that we really need to enforce and embrace as a culture, you know, to clean our nose. You look at the environment we live in, we're exposed to so many pollutants, okay? And we, and I mentioned earlier how the conchi, there's the ethmoid bone there that keeps the air, you know, the brain is right on the other side. So what we breathe in goes through our body, it goes to our brain. I did want to touch on sinusitis, Carol, mm-hmm. okay. you know, before the end of the show. Um, sinuses are hollow spaces within the skull, and there's a total of eight of them, and they are paired. So we have one of each in the left and right side of the face. Blockage of this tissue um, in your nose from allergens or cold or um, anything that blocks up the sinuses and makes them unable to drain. People, you know, uh, say I have problems with my sinuses or I have a sinusitis, they'll get a headache in the back of their head, sometimes in the front, behind their eyes. Simple nose irrigation um, done every day could 
totally help alleviate these symptoms. But the other thing I want to mention about the sinuses is that the, the, the sinuses, inflammation, and they take uh, the over-the-counter Allegra, the antihistamine, the Tavis, the Zyrtec, and they will take these things every year, every, you know, for, for weeks and weeks at a time and get temporary relief. It never deals with the total issue, but it's almost like they're at a loss and they just spend money on these um, over-the-counter treatments, these antihistamines, and they're actually shutting down their own body's natural response. Well, they were initially designed to be temporary fixes so you can find out the root problem, but, you know, nowadays it's just um, treating the symptom and not looking for the root problem. So people end up, instead of using it for weeks, um, they use it for years. Right. Definitely, they're only a temporary fix, and it's just treating the symptom. So, um, there's, or the swelling in the sinuses, you know, usually, like I said, it's it's edema. It may be um, something viral, but certainly back antibiotics should not be the first line of defense, especially if you have a viral infection. What are antibiotics going to do for that? It's not a bacteria, or if it's just edema, swelling of the um, of the sinuses. Antibiotics will not help that. I think people also need to pay attention to the color of the mucus that's coming out. If you think that it's infected because the mucus is green or it's dark yellow or it's turning orange, then that's the problem. But if you have white or just light yellow mucus and you know your body reacting to irritants, an antibiotic is not going to help you. You need nasal irrigation, you know, to clean the mucus out and keep the sinuses open. Now, the um, other thing that I learned, Carol, from looking at the way our Chinese um, family deal with uh, sinusitis in the traditional Chinese medicine, they relate this to an emotional factor, and they say that the lungs and the colon and the skin are considered to be part of the metal element in our body's defense. So this makes sense when you consider that the mucous membranes that line the respiratory and digestive systems are a primary line of defense. Likewise, our skin, it protects us from what side of the body from slowing out as well as it defends and protects the inner body from outside pathogens. So there's definitely a, a link between chronic respiratory issues and a clogged up colon. And it's and it's said that if your if your sinuses are clogged up, you probably have a blocked up colon. So you may want to think about your the hygiene of your bowels and to get that going. There's also a link between chronic respiratory issues and grief. Oh, grief! Unresolved long-standing grief. Um, so a stuffy head may very well be related to the inability of someone to grieve. And a postnatal drift can be thought of as internal tears or suppressed grief. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just um, come across such wonderful in- information and the correlation and the synchronicities that exist between Eastern medicine and our human body and the way we look at things in the Western medicine. You know, I, I'm schooled in Western medicine and I so enjoy learning the other aspects keeping our bodies um, 
in tune, you know, being proactive as opposed to reactive. Well, that's so, true because, you know, you, when you learn in, in, in Western medicine now, it, again, it, the premise is basically dealing with the body in parts, not as a whole. Whereas Eastern medicine usually takes everything into consideration in treating um, an ailment. So if two areas, the um, nasal respiratory system and the, um, the colon are related, it, it, it does make sense if you're treating everything as a whole. You're going to deal with your diet as well as the cleansing of, the, of that part of the body too. You need to clean inside of the body, refrain from certain foods that are going to bring up, um, cause mucus buildup and cause your um, immune system to slow down. And cleansing, cleansing the intestines, you know, it should help also the respiratory tract. And oh, yeah. with apple cider vinegar is taken not only to um, cleanse your intestines, your bowels, but taking in, say, apple cider vinegar with uh, just one to two teaspoons of the raw apple cider vinegar with about six ounces of water drinking that first thing in the morning, it helps to cleanse those pipes and it, it, it breaks up mucus congestion. Mm -hmm. Some people Seems put honey in it, but, yeah. but, you know, you can just drink it without the honey. Yeah. Um, well, we're down to the last five minutes of the show, and although I have lots more information here that I would like to share, I'd also like to uh, remind everybody that the June Network has uh, repackaged uh, the balancing programs. It's very exciting. And also, Dr. Jewell's book, Vitamins and Minerals from A to Z, is available in the e-store, jewelnetwork.net, and order your copy. It has vital information that you need to know to help navigate through this 21st century. Stay tuned um, to the Jewel Network all week long. We have lots of vital information to educate you, and help you develop Mind of Scientist. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And Carol, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we go? Yes. Remember, we started with the notes today and talking about the time that we take to take care of ourselves. Yes. Yes, the nose represents self-recognition. So we should really try, yeah, really try to make time and recognize that ourselves um, are important as well. Right. You know, once this body stops running, um, you know, what can you do? The work, all of that continues on without you. So you have to put yourself first. Put yourself in your life. Exactly. Exactly. You take care of this vehicle called the body just better than you'll take care of the vehicle that takes you around the car. So That's it was right. nice sharing this information, and we'll see you again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. right here on the Stop Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. All right. Bye-bye. This broadcast is under full copyright and trademark protection owned by the House of Jewels. This broadcast in its entirety nor any part of this broadcast can be reproduced, copied, transcribed, placed in podcast format, placed 
into MP3 format or suspended on any internet digital location without express permission from the House of Jewels, Washington State, USA. To reproduce or suspend this broadcast in any digital location other than the Jewel Network is prohibited and legal proceedings will follow accordingly. Thank you for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.